Praise the name of the Lord. God's plenitude, like God has so much, right? Uh, God, God is infinite. He is the only person we could use the word infinite on, you know, limitless. It has no end of his wisdom, of his omnipotence, of his omniscience, of his grace. There is no end. Now, the problem comes about when we are limited beings, we are beings with, you know, boundaries, and we are trying to use the linguistic characteristics of our society and our humanity to describe a God like that. Now, it's important for us to, you know, have this session about the majesty of God to arouse your consciousness about him, because there are a lot of perversions going on in the church of christ today where signposts you know men and women of god who are supposed to be signposts pointing to the majesty of god have may have overstepped their boundaries either consciously or unconsciously and misrepresented themselves onto the people uh creating a form of idolatry that i'm going to teach you okay when we talk about the majesty of god it's is talking about his greatness and as i was explaining god's infinitude he's infinite god's plenitude he has so much god's limitlessness he's great in power he's great in might he's great in strength that is who he is he's above everything else i was talking to one of my siblings and i was telling him the godness of god you know and i'll say let me use this word you know the godness of god god's very being is what's um exalts him and validates his godness he is god praise the name of the lord and it means he's above everything you know even the prophets of old you know ezekiel daniel isaiah john the apostle and the revelator many others struggled to describe when they tried to talk about the majesty of god again it is this limitation that we have this limitation of our humanity this limitation in our mind this limitation in our conscience which has which knows you know a beginning and an end that is how humans are wired we understand there's a beginning and there's an end there's a time to be born there's a time to die something rises something falls something is beautiful something is not something has a lot of strength something that has a little strength so we have measurements we have things to kind of uh, you know uh great or distinguished people from each other not with god you see however the problem comes when we see this god who is outside the metric system of humanity who is outside the understanding of our human conscience and we try to describe him and so when you listen to the words of the prophets like ezekiel ezekiel when you read ezekiel 1 verse number one so i'm just going to be talking about it uh, ezekiel said that in the 13th year of the fourth month i was among the exiles by the river chiba and the heavens were opened and i saw the visions of god he said verse number four he says as i looked a stormy wind came out of the north a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing continuously in the middle of it now listen to his words he said and in the middle of the fire something like something like a gleaming amber in the middle of it was something like four living creatures and this was the appearance they were of human form each had four faces uh, each of them had four wings 
Then you look at verse 22, Ezekiel with the prophet continues, he says, Over the heads of the living creatures, there was something like a dome. Are you listening? You see? And then it was shining like a crystal, and it was spread above their heads. When look at verse 26 to verse 28, I love the scriptures. Hallelujah. He says, And above the dome of their heads, there was something like a throne, in the appearance like a sapphire, and seated above the likeness of the throne was something that looked like a human form you know so and then he says you know, towards the end he says and when i saw it i fell on my face and fell flat now if you listen to the words of the prophet ezekiel it, it just goes on to say what i'm talking about ezekiel here is is talking about the majesty of God. He said, I, I look, I saw the visions of God. Are you listening to me? I saw the visions of God. And then when I saw the heavens open, I saw something like a stormy wind. Now, it, it, it appears that even his words are not sure because he is describing something that is outside the comprehension of the human uh, reason. You know, he's outside the comprehension of the human mind. And so the prophet who has been blessed by God to have a foretaste of this uh, revelation of God's presence uh, struggles with words to use. He says there was something like the, the, the presence. He says there was something, I saw something like a throne, something like a human being on it. I saw something like a crystal, something like a, um, a sapphire. And this, he said, and when I saw all these, he said, and I saw creatures, living creatures in. And when I saw the living creatures, they had four faces. And when I, I saw who sat on the throne, something that looked like fire and splendor was all around him. Then I saw something like a bow over the throne. And I saw the glory, the appearance and the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face flat. This is Ezekiel. When you read uh, Revelations chapter 1, John the Revelator, the other on the Isle of Patmos, he said, and I'm just going to paraphrase for time's sake. He said, and uh, I heard a voice speaking to me. So we can use from verse number 12, Revelations 1, 12. He said, I heard a voice speaking to me. And when I turned, so this was John. Initially, he said there was somebody called him up. And it was like the voice of many waters. And it was like the voice of a trumpet. Now he says in verse 12, I heard a voice that spoke to me. And I saw seven golden stands. And in the middle of it, there was one like. Do you see that? Do you see the words? There was one like the son of man who was clothed with white and a golden sash around his chest. He said his hair was white. He says he was not talking about the description of the son of God. And then verse 17, he said, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now we are looking at two different people over a thousand years apart or probably less than that but ezekiel said i saw visions of the lord i was by the exile with the exiles at by the river of sheba and i saw things that i struggled with human linguistic our vocabulary our a to z our letters could not really describe it so he's now saying it was like it was like it was like it was like i remember um many years ago i was in a vision and it was, and I, and I say it with all carefulness, but it was in a heavenly place. I say that because wherever we were, it seemed it had no end. It could go on and on. And the people that I saw, it did not end. 
and and this a particular assembly you know i don't know if you've read uh, the scriptures in isaiah uh, isaiah 42 he says and uh, and your eyes shall see the king in his majesty in a land that stretches far and far and far beyond glory to jesus and there was this place and there was a redeemed man he was an apostle who had died already and i knew he had died already but this man was standing in front of the congregation and he looked like a man in his late 20s or 30s and he stood there so handsome and beautiful and he called me and when he called me he said to me the one that sits upon the throne hallelujah said to give you this now when he said to give you this I, I was expecting something physical, but nothing happened. But the moment he lifted up his hand, I saw where we were. The space above us opened again, and there were eight, eight creatures. I will call them creatures. Now, two of them, two of them look like regular angels. You know, you have the two wings. But there were the others who did not look like that. Some of them look like, you know, heaven, like human beings. Some of them look like creatures. Some of them look very different. And, and that's, we struggle with words. And John is saying that when I saw this glory, when I saw it, I fell as one who was dead. Ezekiel said that I fell down flat in his presence. So we see when you read Daniel's scripture, Daniel says, when Daniel was even talking about Gabriel and not talking about him, uh, about the almighty God. And Daniel said, when Gabriel spoke, he said, I fell and there was no strength in my knees. And he touched me and said, oh man, greatly beloved, receive strength. Hallelujah. So this is the majesty of God. And this is the same narrative of the early church fathers and how they describe this majesty. Now, even though we share this, we may share the same doctrine with the early fathers, even though we may preach the same theology, it, it, it appears that the modern church today lacks a proper appreciation of the greatness of God. It appears that the modern church today has failed to comprehend the vastness of the majesty of God. And this has resulted in a corruption or a perversion of our service, our commitment and loyalty to God. Our church programs, our ministries, our liturgies, our sermons and our behaviors do, does not res resemble a people who are in the presence of the majestic God. It doesn't res re resemble a people like that. And I say that with all carefulness because, because if you look at what John is saying, if you look at what Isaiah is saying, and I'll be teaching you, if you look at what Ezekiel is saying, and look at what the fathers of old said, then and you compare it to whatever we are trying to talk about worshiping now, you understand that there is a perversion, and I hope that you listen today. There's a lot of mimicking of this royalty this royalty there is a lot of mimicking of this divine royalty this majesty it appears like lucifer did many people it could be pastors it could be whoever other people all they they they, they long for is to kind of mimic is to copy this divine majesty and that's not the idea the idea is in christianity there is only one that we need to give all the praise and glory to and that person is jesus christ hallelujah hallelujah glory to god amen so we need to come to this place of proper appreciation of who this divine majesty is so the mimicking starts you know and even kings early kings and queens fine i mean they are trying to represent a sort of majesty but the problem i want to highlight today is when there's a mimicking of the divine majesty in the church when there's a mimicking of God's divine majesty in the church by people who should be servants. That's where they have the, we have the corruption. So what I'm talking about is you can enter into a church, you can enter into a place where you realize that 
you look at some of the chairs that some pastors will sit on you see some pastors they are sitting on it's like a throne already it's like a golden chair so huge now that's a corruption already and that's a perversion and that's a corruption and that's a complete perversion it happens everywhere you see some now there are ministers that go around and there are people kissing their hands you know bowing down to them the only person we bow to is jesus christ the only person we should exalt in our churches is jesus christ sadly today unlike the men of old like ezekiel saying i was paralyzed in his presence like um um john said i fell down as dead in his presence we enter churches today and we don't see the majesty exalted we see men and women exalted now let me explain myself every human being is born with an innate desire and a longing to express faith in something it doesn't matter whether they are christians or not every human being psalm 42 verse number one to two scripture says as the deer pants for the waters so my soul longs for you my soul thirsts for the lord the living god and when shall i come and appear before god now this expression of a longing a desire like a deer in search of waters in an arid land this this panting for the lord like a dehydrated animal searching for water is present in every person whether it's christian muslim atheist naturalist is present in every one of them the christian expresses this desire and a longing for jehovah the muslim in allah the hindu in vishnu or krishna the naturalist in nature the atheist in themselves everybody expresses this desire and there's that longing that is why you see uh, in Christianity today, when it's like towards the end of the year, everybody wants to hear something. People are prophesying what will happen in the year because we are limited beings, because we are finite beings, because we do not know even the next minute what will happen to me in the next hour, I do not know. And it is this longing that God has put in our hearts. Scripture says that he has put eternity in our hearts. And it's not the only thing in our hearts. Psalm 42 says there's a longing that is seeking for the living God is seeking for the living god all right now this is present in everybody so here is where the danger comes when you enter into a place like a church where the representatives of the divine majesty now let me explain myself well the problem we have with this longing is that god is invisible right so we do not see god but then everything god is is in jesus christ now in the days when jesus was incarnate and was here among men there was very few perversion or corruption in the loyalty and submission we gave to God because people saw Jesus. People would not bypass Jesus and, and, and put their faith in Peter. They would not put their faith in John. As a matter of fact, they did not really respect them much. They are like, where is the master? The master is not here. You know, the, the man that brought his epileptic son and they tried everything. It's like, oh, I wish the master was here. And he came and he sorted it out. Now, after Jesus went, now we have the Holy Spirit. You see, but it looks as if we are back to square one because it's like you don't have the visible. And because humans are relational, physically relational, they are always looking to see somebody. And that's why there's a lot of dependence. And I wrote in one of my books, the age of dependence is past when God strictly used only prophets to you know, carry out his divine uh, human self-disclosure. So you, this, this longing in our hearts, people 
are looking for physical representations to satisfy the longing of the Lord in their heart. But the longing is for the living God, who is invisible, but whose express image is Jesus Christ and is written in the Word. So for anybody to satisfy the longing of Psalm 42, they need to spend time with Jesus. You understand Acts 4 chapter 13, when Peter and co had spoken in front of the Sahindrin and they realized that they were not learned people like them, they came to one conclusion, these are people who have spent time with Jesus. Because they looked like Jesus, they spoke like Jesus, and they did the same miracles he did. So for anybody to satisfy the longing as the deer panting for the waters, that person will have to stay with Jesus. Now, Jesus is not physically here. Jesus is not any prophet you see on earth. Jesus is gone and he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty. And I'm speaking about the majesty today. So to satisfy that longing, you need to spend time in the word. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. That is the only way that longing of your heart can be satisfied. Anybody who does not do that will see themselves going from place to place, church to church, pastor to pastor. And Psalm 42 says, my soul seeks for the living God. The longing is for the living God and none other. And this longing cannot be satisfied by the multiplicity of church services. No, church service is like a dessert. It's like a snack. The real thing is what happens when you close the door and you are there with him day, hours, praying, praying, praying. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You stay long in the presence of God. Now, we have a problem when people are already seeking for a God they cannot see. And these people are also not diligent to study the word because God has expressed himself in a volume of the books. But they don't do that. And they don't spend time in prayer. And so they go to church and they see a pastor or a priest, a prophet, a teacher. And if that person oversteps their boundaries and does not remember their servants and signposts to the divine majesty, and exhaust themselves instead of exalting the majesty of God, they help the confusion of these ignorant believers and these immature believers. And now in the, in the throne of the majesty in their heart, where God sits, where Jehovah sits for the Christian, where Allah sits for the Muslim, where nature sits for the naturalist, where uh, Vishnu or Krishna sits for the Hindu, for us is Jehovah that sits there and he is the living God. In that seat, the immature believer wrongly now puts his pastor or this prophet or this, uh, this preacher or this brother or whoever at that seat. And that is the beginning of our corruption and idolatry. Idolatry is not just bowing down to a physical thing, it's bowing down to spiritual things. And there are most people in churches today, they are so tuned into men and women of God, they are so tuned in that they do not really see the divine majesty. They have, they have taken him off the throne of their hearts, and it is a man that is in there. And I want to tell you that that is a very dangerous thing. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Almighty God. Is so fearful and i just want to bring this to your attention and the purpose of this like i said is twofold to awaken your consciousness that there is this divine majesty psalm 8 verse number one he says oh lord my god how majestic you are in all the earth hallelujah glory to jesus first samuel chapter 2 verse number 2 hannah sang a song and said what well, there is none holy like the lord there is none beside thee neither is there any rock like our god Praise the name of Jesus. This is who we are speaking about. Psalm 93, verse number 1 to 2. He says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. He is clothed with majesty and with splendor. This is the one we are talking about. This is the majesty of God. And there is none like him. 
And I said, there is none like him. Did you hear Hannah's song? He said, there is none. There is no, no rock like our God. There is none beside him. And it's important because when I enter churches, when I enter ministries, we do not see the exalted almighty God. We do not see Christ lifted. We don't even hear about the Father who Christ sits at the majesty, at the right hand of his majesty. This is the man. This is God. And, and we just see humans. Now, when you enter into a church, and I'm telling you today, when you enter into a church and the most prominent thing you see there is a, is a servant of God, that is not right. Christ should be exalted. Christ should be exalted. Christ should be exalted. Sadly, many churches to hear like organizations. If you are not careful, you realize this. You realize this, that um, many people, many people have not really seen the, that they have stepped into idol worship already. That they have removed the majestic God from their throne of their hearts already. They have taken that off already. But you cannot do that. You cannot. There is none like Jehovah. Have you seen this, the, the song of the Shulamite in Songs of Solomon chapter 5 verse number 8? This is describing the longing of our heart that David said in Psalm 42. The Shulamite was a woman who is in love and she writes and says, she, I charge, she couldn't see her beloved. Her beloved had traveled a little bit. She had a dream that the beloved was coming close. And then when she opened her eyes, the beloved was gone. She woke up in Songs of Solomon, chapter 5, verse number 8. And she said, I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem. She called all her friends and said, if you find my beloved, with, tell him that I am sick of his love. If you find my beloved, tell him I'm sick of his love. All the ladies came around and they were wondering, why have you called us into this meeting? And he said, if you find my beloved, go tell him I am sick of his love. I need him. I miss him. Like David said in Psalm 42, as the deer pans for the waters, so much so long for thee. Hallelujah. So much so long for thee. Glory to Jesus. He said, I'm sick of his love. Then the friends of this Shulamite, this woman, said and, and said to her, What do you mean? Is your beloved more than another person's beloved? Is your beloved more than another beloved, O fairest among women? And then she responded to them, My beloved is white and ruddy. My beloved is the chiefest among 10,000. He is the head. Hallelujah. He is the chiefest among 10,000. This is the same thing Hannah said. There is no other God like him. There is none like him. There is no rock like him. Pastor, apostle, prophet, imam, Buddhist, whoever. There is none like him. Now they're asking him, why are you saying this, O Shilamite? Is whoever you are longing for better than all the others who are there? And she said, yes, yes, yes. Jesus is better. Hallelujah. The father of our Lord and Savior Jesus is the living God. And he is the chiefest among 10,000. He is the chiefest among all. And he says, I'm sick of his law. I'm looking for him. This should be the disposition of every Christian heart. God has expressed himself completely in the books. Nobody stays in the books anymore. Now we open our phones and we open our apps and we listen to this prophet, we listen to this pastor, we listen to this person and that's it. And I'm telling you that church is a dessert. Church is not the main thing. To be able to satisfy that longing in your heart, you need to spend time with the Lord. And there is only one true majesty. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Psalm 93 says what? It says, the Lord reigns and he is robed in majesty. Robed in majesty. 
the Lord reigns and he is robed in majesty. Go to, go to our churches today and see. If you will see the majesty of God, everything from the singing to the preaching to the giving of offerings, everything does not support that we are kind of serving the same God that the fathers of old did. Our theology may be the same, but the God Ezekiel described that he fell down in his presence as one dead. The God that Daniel described that he fell down in his presence and had no strength in his body. The God that John the Revelator described that he fell down as one dead. When I saw the likeness of him, I fell down as one dead in his presence. It does not appear to me it's the same God we are able to serve with mobile phones, at church doing worship, and just videoing ourselves and people are doing preachings and live streams or whatever and they have their phones and they are like Rabba, baba, shake it, and they are responding to messages it doesn't appear to me that we are serving the same god this god that we claim to worship appears not as majestic as they describe the God that Daniel described doesn't look like the God of modern Christianity. The God that Daniel said he fell down in his presence and could do nothing doesn't appear like the God we serve today. The God we serve today, their God was so strong and powerful. We describe a God so weak, a God that needs the repetitions of our prayer and the chantings of our prayer to do anything. They describe the God before whom the gods of Egypt, the gods Dagon, the gods of the, um, the the Hittites, the Amorites fell, and we describe a God who seems so powerless before our household witchcraft that we need to spend days of repeated prayer mentioning that same thing to be corrected. I think that we are either deceiving ourselves or have missed the mark. This doesn't appear to be the same God. When you read the book of Exodus, the Bible says that the magicians of Pharaoh, they went four times with Moses. And after they, Moses and Aaron commanded and lies fell upon all the city, they tried to do the same and they could not. Then they went back to Pharaoh and said, we perceive that this is the finger of the living God. Glory to Jesus. We are not, it doesn't appear that we are doing anything with this God. It doesn't. I, I feel it's a bit different, and I know people may pe people people may may have problems with the truth. But you see, the truth is one. You see, and and what's happening in our churches today? It looks like dignified organizations, you know. And so and, and so, majority of the church attention has drawn to the social responsibilities of the church at the neglect of the spiritual and the primary responsibility of winning souls to the Lord. So now most churches are engaging in building hospitals, giving arms to people, which is good. I do compassion ministry, but there's a primary goal. Have you read, read John's gospel? When Peter and, and, and John got to the beautiful gate and there was a lame person there, they always gave money. When they gave money, the man's condition never changed. He was still lame in his feet. Every time you give money, then they go. Every time you give money, then they go. Nothing changed in his life. But one day, Peter, coming out of prayer, said to him, Look, you know, the church has a goal and a responsibility to take care of sick people, to help the needy. But listen, right now, silver and gold is not dangling in my pockets. But there's something that I'm so full of. Hallelujah. I'm so full of something that can create changes. And in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So long as the church does not come develop a proper consciousness of the majesty of God, the church will 
predominantly you know focus on the social aspects of the ministry at the expense of the true primary calling which was how happened at the beautiful gate he said get up and walk in the name of jesus and immediately his situation changed but if they gave an offering he would have been in the same situation and that is what is happening today first chronicles chapter 29 verse number uh, 10 onwards I think uh, my pastor is not available today, so I'll just keep saying the scriptures and you can just go. So 1 Chronicles 29, 10 onwards, he said, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, the Father of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 11, he says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as the head over all. Listen, this is what we say in the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. God's majesty is so great that the kingdoms belong to him. His is the power, his is the majesty, his is the glory, his is the greatness. His, thine, O Lord, is the splendor. This is the God of the old. This is the God of the fathers. This is the God of the apostles, and this is the living God. But this, this we, we don't, we, the God we serve does not appear like the same God. Because I see a God in, in modern Christianity now that has a, a transactional model. He, the God we serve is a God which is being proposed as a God whom you have to come and give a certain amount of money for him to do something. And I'm calling upon five people here to give a thousand dollars. And the Lord said to me that about five or ten people are going to give a thousand dollars. And as you give a thousand dollars, there is coming this breakthrough in your life. This is this is a, a false model of God. This is a transactional model of God that has been painted in the, in the modern church today, which is not true. It does not look like the God of old. He said, what I'm about to do, I will do not for your sake, but for my own name's sake, because my name has been profaned among you. Read the Psalms in Psalm 50 or so. He says, the, ta- the cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. He said, if I were hungry, I will not tell you. So here we are proposing a model of transaction for this God that we serve and claiming to Theologically, that this God is the same that said to the men of old that the, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. And if I were hungry, I would not ask of you. And yet we have proponents of this majesty in the pulpit saying, bring some $20,000 and this is what God is going to do for you. Bring this and God. God is not transactional. Every model that is posted about God in terms of human, you know, profit like transactions is this, is, is not a true model. It's not. Praise the name of the living God. Are you listening to me at all? Are you listening to me at all? Glory to Jesus. This is the majesty of God. Hallelujah. He is so majestic and glorious in power. Glorious in power. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12. He said, you who has measured the waters of this world in the hollow of his hand. I'm talking about the majesty of God. And I'm talking about the Father. Um, Next time I'll preach about the supremacy of Christ. Now I'm talking about the majesty of the Father. The one Jesus said, pray to the living God. Yes. He said, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his palm 
the waters on the whole universe, in the whole multiverse, in the whole stratosphere, in the whole atmosphere, if you put all the waters together in the whole world, that could drown the whole world, that could drown everybody. The Bible says that he measures it in the hollow of his palm. It's like pouring little water in the hollow of his palm. Such majesty. He says he has marked up the heavens. He stretches a span. You know, a span is from a thumb to here. He stretches this and the entire heavens. It covers the entire heavens. He clothes himself with the clouds and they still cannot cover him. This is his infinitude. This is his greatness. This is his plenitude. And he's not well represented by your pastor. No. The more I grew in the Lord, the more I stayed in prayer, the more I started repenting for the early days of my pastoral ministry. I was like, I wasn't talking about you. This was not you. This was not you. And I'm praying that you would you would have a wonderful consciousness. As Isaiah said this, he said he has weighed the mountains in a balance. He has gathered all the dust of the earth in a pan. He said, who can who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Who can cons- who can who can cons- who has the Lord consulted? You know, this is the Lord who is able to measure the hills in a balance, the mountains on a scale, the dust in a pan, measures the heavens with his hand span and the waters in the hollow of his pan. He says, whom did he consult? Who? Now we have people going around saying that, you know, even, you know, when I'm about to say something, I don't even need God's permission. I can just talk and God will do it. That is not the living God. It's definitely not the living God. It's not. It's not the God, um, John said, he fell down as dead before him. It's not the God that showed Ezekiel, a little part of him, and Ezekiel was numb, and he was just falling down as dead. No. These are the greatness of his splendor. Now, what happens when, when we truly encounter the glory of God? When we truly encounter the glory of God, a few things will happen. Number one, we would fall into worship, and there's a longing to remain in the Lord. Okay, so when 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 we encounter the true glory, okay, now I'm talking about the majesty of God, and the majesty of God is several. The attributes when you read First Chronicles 29, it says, "Yours, O God, is the power; yours is the glory; yours is the greatness; yours is the splendor." Now I just want to talk about the glory, the majestic glory, just for a minute, and I'll tell you that when you truly encounter the majestic glory. A few things will happen. Number one, you fall into worship where you desire to remain there. Number two, you are over, overcome with fear. Okay? So fear can come when you encounter the true presence. That's why when sometimes when angels appear to people, the first word they say is that do not be afraid. So you are overcome with fear. And the third thing is that you can be overwhelmed with such uh, fear that it, it translates into perverse desire. Okay, so as an educator, let me explain this very well. So I can, I can sum all this to say that when you encounter the true presence of God, you are overcome with fear. Now, that fear, depending on the predisposition of your heart, can mutate into a perverse desire or can transform into a great act of worship. That is a good way to teach it. So when anybody truly encounters the presence, the true glory, the majestic glory, they are overwhelmed with fear. And that fear, that's one thing. There are some people, depending on their heart, they will just run away. They don't want anything to do with that. There's another group of people that this translates into worship, instant worship. They fall on their feet, they soak in tears, they cry in the presence. 
and there's another group of people that they see this and because of the disposition of the heart it mutates there's a mutation of this reverence into a perversion and now they desire to have that okay so i'll teach you that so let's look at these three things let's look at these three things the first one i'll give you is about the example about fear all right so in exodus uh, 20 verse 18 the people of Israel, when they, Exodus 20, verse number 18, the Bible says that when they witnessed the thundering and lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the smoking from the mountain, they were afraid and, and trembled and they stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, you go and listen and come talk to us. We don't even want to hear this. Now, this is repeated several times in the book of Hebrews when he said that uh, we have not come to a mountain that they went to. You see, and they were so afraid that even if an animal touched, when the majestic glory of God came upon Sinai, anybody that touched that mountain was going to die. Is any animal that even went close was going to die. And they saw the thunderings and the lightning and the people were afraid. And that fear, because of the disposition of their heart, they were carnal people. Now, instead of that fear transforming into instant worship and a longing, because this is the Lord that your soul pants for. And whether he comes in his majesty glory, and listen, the glory of God that came upon Sinai is not the unveiled glory. Because scripture says nobody can see his full glory and live. So I'm sure he comes, you know, clothed in his glory. Like Jesus came down, Jesus came as veiled. You know, he dwelt among us as a human, but he was veiled. His true glory was hidden. Because even when Moses, and as I'll be showing you, he encountered a little bit of God's covered glory, he came back with his face shining literally. So these people saw this glory and they were afraid and they ran away and they said, we don't want to hear this anymore. What? Can you imagine that? He said, you go and listen and come and tell us. We don't want it. We don't want it. And there are people like that today. They willfully choose to listen to people who are not of God. They just choose to go to places where they are told what they want to hear. They, they, don't, they don't like messages like I'm telling you. You need to go back to your closet. You need to spend like an hour in there, two hours in there, 30 minutes in there with the Lord in prayer. Because that is the only way to satisfy the longing of your heart. So that's the first group of people. They were afraid. They were scared to death. Now, anytime the majestic glory, and I'm talking about the majesty of God, and I've gone down to talk about one of the sub-attributes of this majesty, which is his glory. Now, the majestic glory is great. Look at it. So we said when you encounter the true and majestic glory, three things will happen. Fear comes and that fear will either transform into spontaneous worship and a longing to remain there or it could mutate. Okay, it could be a mutation like it becomes a cancer where now there's perversion. That happened with Lucifer, right? He saw the majesty of God. He saw the glory, the majestic glory. He saw the splendor and he's like, oh, I want to be like that. And there are many people like that. Today, when you see, I see some pastors and the chairs, they sit on a church and I can see that that is a perversion of God's majesty. Why are you sitting on a chair and a chair that looks like a throne in church? Why are you doing that? What is, what is the motive? Why did you put up this building that you always talk about? It's, listen, not even the temple of Solomon built equates the glory of God. And you know, sadly, there are many people, oh, people are being deceived so terribly. The deception in the body of Christ today is so huge. And that is why I want you to understand the majesty of God. His divine majesty. You need to get this. You need to get this. 
All right. So Exodus chapter 24 and, and verse 15. And my time is almost up. I'm just going to go a little bit just to complete this. So and Moses, God said to Moses, come up into the mountain. So this is the first time where Moses gets to spend 40 days in the presence of God. And he does that several times. So I'm going to go out two times when he did this. And you can find the scripture reference in Exodus chapter 24. So Moses is called out by God. And the cloud, anytime the majestic glory is coming, in those days, he signified it by the coming of a cloud. So there was a cloud that descends there, and then they know that the Lord is there. So now the cloud descends upon Sinai, on the Mount of Sinai, and the Lord uh, calls Moses to Moses goes up into this mountain where it's covered with a cloud. Okay, and now my prayer is that the cloud of the Lord shall descend over your home, shall descend over your workplace. The cloud of the Lord shall descend in your marriage. And any time the cloud descended, then the glory, the majestic glory filled the place. So here we saw the cloud descend upon the mountain of Sinai, and then the glory of God settled, okay, settled on the mountain. For the cloud had covered it for some days, hallelujah. And Moses was in the cloud in that presence for six days before he heard the voice of God say, come forward. So now my hypothesis is at this time, uh, you know, nobody can enter into this glory like that. So I believe God was preparing Moses. Okay, and remember he was fasting. So Moses spent six days in the cloud on the mountain waiting on God before the Lord spoke. Six days, six days before he heard the voice of God saying, come, come. Now, now, now I don't know what you are doing because we spent 10 minutes and 20 minutes and it's as if, no, 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 no. And that's why I'm, I'm so careful that be careful not to replace the, 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 the throne of God's majesty in your heart, replace him with somebody else not not me I'm, I'm nothing i'm just filthy rag before god nothing i remember praying for one man in england and his ears open he was deaf in both ears and they, they were getting in touch with me i quickly had to cut it off i remember praying for a certain man and uh, who had heart failure and he got healed he got off the hospital bed he started bringing me cake and i, I used to love cake at that time and i still do i ate some cake today and he brought me cake he would come to church after a while i just thought i just stopped it because you know the the natural longing in the human heart is relational and they are looking for somebody they can express that's why it's easy for people to go into idolatry by bowing to idols and also to taking men of god as they are gods in their heart it's easy for them than to spend hours alone talking as if to nobody reading the bible staying so long that's why it's so difficult for them that's why it's so difficult for them moses stays six days in the cloud in prayer waiting 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 before he heard the voice of god how long have you waited? And then when he heard the voice of God, the Bible says that, and he came, God said, come in. And when he came in, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence. No food, no food. And he wasn't hungry. He was right in the presence of God. Making how many days? 46 days he spent in the presence of the majestic glory. My goodness. And when he came out, he was not even tired. Now, this was the first of 40 days. This was the time when he came with the Ten Commandments and he got angry because they, they had made an idol. Can you imagine the same people that when they saw the cloud and the glory, they said, we don't want to hear it anymore. And so you go and listen. When Moses went and Moses took 46 days there, they were like, we need something we can see. We need something we can see. And so they molded their idol, an idol calf and they started bowing down to it. Any perversion in your heart, in, and, and, and this is so insidious and this is so subtle. 
I'm talking to you right now. You may have put a certain man of God. You may have put a woman of God. You may have put somebody in your heart. Unconsciously, you don't realize. But you cannot do that because that longing in your heart will never be satisfied. Have you read the Gospel of John 4 when Jesus met the woman at Jacob's well? The woman was dangling in what modern Christians do today. She said to the Lord Jesus, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Are you greater than his children? Are you even greater than his animals that drank there? Go and read the Bible and see. It's there. So people get into these mindsets about um, um, um prophets and pastors and preachers and, and 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 then they kind of see them as elevated right and so he's saying to he's standing before hallelujah he's standing before the lord jesus and she cannot discern she cannot pick it up that she's now entering into theological debates you you that is standing here that wants water from me are you even greater than my papa do you know who my papa is and so when, when, when we come into church today listen to the profession sometimes you hear people saying i pray in the name of my papa's god the god of my papa the god of my papa the god of my papa we don't pray in the god of any pastor's name we pray in the name of jesus christ and if that's offensive to you then you need to check yourself you need to check your theology because he is the chiefest among 10,000. Jesus is. There is none like him. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And so the second time, uh, you know, Moses crushed the, 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 the Ten Commandments. So Moses had to go back into this glory. And this is the time when Moses is now saying to God in Exodus 33, that show me your glory. Remember, this guy has spent six days in the cloud waiting and preparing in prayer and the lord said come closer and then he went for 40 days making 46 he comes out and the people have chosen not to listen to the lord not to even get close to the mountain but to bow to an idol so he crashes the tabernacles the, the, the ten commandments and now he goes back in there this time he took his own material the first time were materials god made himself moses worried that we would have seen that right but then we still get to see jehovah's calligraphy when he took his own material and jehovah said i will write on it but this time moses says show me your glory and that's what i want you to do psalm 42 he says as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs for you songs of solomon 5 8 he says that Hey, daughters of Jerusalem, if you see my beloved, tell him I'm sick for his love. My beloved is the chiefest among 10,000. There is nobody like Jesus. Glory to God. And, and, then, and then God says, yeah, just come up. And he says, I need to see your glory. He says, you cannot see my glory unveiled and live. You would die. And Moses said, I still want to see it. He said, okay, I will show you, you see, the part of myself that God revealed a part of himself that was possible to be seen by a human and not that. And even that, he had to cover Moses, put him in twofold coverings. Number one in a cleft, I think it's even three. So there's a rock and the cleft inside, that's the secondary covering. And then he said that I will put my hand over you. That's the tertiary covering. Moses was covered on three different levels, not to see even the glory manifested. No, it was the veil. It was a covered glory and not even in front of it. But when the glory had passed, then the hand was removed. Then he saw the back of the glory. That was all he saw. And just that sight of the glory, when he came out after 40 days, the Bible says that the appearance of his face was shining, shining bright, that the people of Israel could not look at his face. So he had to cover it with a veil. Am I painting this picture well enough for you? This is the majestic glory. This is the majestic glory. Have you read the scriptures? My goodness. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 10, the Bible says, And when the priest came out of the holy place, the cloud 
had filled the house and the priest could not stand no minister because of the cloud for the glory filled the house they could not preach they could not sing hallelujah this is it when you read exodus chapter 14 when the cloud came over the tent the bible says moses and and the people of israel could not enter into the tabernacle because the cloud was there and the glory had filled the place Read Luke chapter 9, verse 28, the Bible says, And when Peter said about eight days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and they went to the mountain. And as he was praying, suddenly the appearance of his face changed. And they saw three. They saw who Moses and Elijah talking to him. And when they saw him in that way, Peter said, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Ah, master, it's good that we stay here. Let us stay here. Let us stay here. Let us stay here. And let us build three tabernacles and stay in this place. Now, are you looking at the story? So we see the first group of people, when they saw, they encountered the majestic glory. Fear overtook them. Fear overtook them. And because they were carnal people whom God was manifesting himself to, they said, we don't want anything to do with him. This is what the Bible says. He said, these people draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. The majestic glory came. They said, we don't want to hear Moses. Go listen. Moses went and they made an idol. But then the difference between them and Moses is this. So the fear that they had, that caused them to run away because they were carnal. Moses also had that same fear. And he was kept in the cloud for six days before he saw the Lord. But when he went into the Lord and saw him and came back, now Moses is saying, Lord, I want to come in again. I want you to show me your glory. Show me your glory. Now, I mean, a joke, I can make a joke out of this that I'm sure Moses, he got so angry when he was crashing the, 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 the tank man. He's like, let me even crash it and go back in and enjoy him another 40 days, you know. So probably that's just a joke. But, you know, Moses wanted to be in the presence and so he begged for it. The same thing with Peter, James, and John. Luke chapter 9. They saw Jesus transformed with Moses and Elijah. And then Peter said, we don't want to go home again. We want to build three tabernacles here and we want to stay here with you. So, so we see that when you truly encounter the, 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 the majestic glory and the presence of God, if you are a carnal person, you walk away from it. But if you are a spiritual person, a worshiping heart stays and wants more. And then the perverse heart, that's Lucifer's story, I don't, because of my time, I don't want to read it. They begin to desire and want to be like that. At this point, we read First Kings, even the priest could not preach. At this point, I want you to look at this. In all these instances, when they truly over encounter the presence. And I want you to compare this to the times when we have said in our churches, oh, I feel the glory. Oh, the presence of God is here. Oh, the glory is here. Hallelujah. Oh, the glory. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I feel the glory. Oh, I feel the presence. Mm -mm. It's not. Listen, listen. I'm a medical doctor. You see, and I'm a medical educator. I teach here. I teach in a medical school here. Now listen, sometimes students keep complaining. Oh, we don't understand, we don't understand, blah, 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 blah. You see, but they never, un until you sit down and do a self-evaluation, an evaluation of yourself to see where you got it wrong and how you can improve something, then you are never going to go out. I'm saying that we keep using words loosely. The glory of God is here and the presence of God is here. Oh, I feel the presence of God. Listen, goosebumps is not equal to the presence of God. Goosebumps is not the presence of God. Emotional excitement is not equal to anointing. No. The glory, just look at the instances in scripture. 
that when truly you encounter it, you are overcome with fear. And depending on the state of your heart, you either rebel in the presence and walk away, or you are, you, you are triggered into spontaneous worship, wanting to remain in the presence. Moses spent 46 days on a mountain without food and still desired to be there again. Peter says, I don't want to go back home to my family. I just want to stay on this mountain with you forever. And then people are perverse with it. This is what happens when there's a true glory. So when the true glory of God comes, we have holy emotions. Can you repeat that after me? Holy emotions. Now you can write that down wherever you are. And let me show you that scripture. Psalm 93, verse 1 to 5. He says, the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established and it shall not be moved. Verse 2 says, your throne, O God, is established from old, from everlasting to everlasting. Then he says, the floods of the world lifted up and they lifted up their voice with a mighty roaring. But verse 4 says, mightier than the thunders of the many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea is the Lord God on high. He is mighty. And then verse 5 says, your decrees are trustworthy. Holiness befits your house forevermore. So this psalm is talking about what? This psalm is talking about the dread of God's majesty and how God's majesty is greater than any majesty in this world, like the roarings of the sea and the waves. God's majesty is greater than that. And the surety of God's testimonies. And he says, holiness, holiness befits. Holiness fits God's house. Now, I don't know if there's holiness in the presence of God anymore. But when we enter into the presence of God, when we truly encounter the true glory, we are overcome with holy emotions. How many of you have been in prayer and you begin crying? You begin crying. And somebody says, I've never cried before. I never cry in prayer. It's understandable. That's fine. We are not saying anytime we start praying, you should cry. But if you truly have found yourself in a deep place in prayer, you will cry. You will cry because you will see, you will see your nature and how, how worthless we are in his presence. And for his love to be given to us, it will break even the most wildest and, and difficult hearts. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, and I'll try to close with that. Isaiah the prophet, he is a prince of prophets. The prince of prophets, he's a major prophet. My goodness. This prophet had been in the courts of kings. He walked into Hezekiah's palace. And when he walked, the people were quiet. He walked into Uzziah's palace. He walked into many places. Now, Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died, 6-1, he says, my eyes saw another king. My eyes saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Then he's not describing the things he saw. Remember, this is the prince of prophets. Glory to Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And he says that, and above him stood seraphims. And he saw angels, seraphims. Seraphims who stood there with six wings, and with two they covered their face, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And then one of the seraphims called to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And then they respond, God Almighty. And the whole world is the earth is full of his glory. And when they do that, the Bible says that the foundations of the temple in heaven began to shake. Not the foundation of your house. The foundation of heaven where the Lord is. When the seraphims spoke about the majesty of the majesty of God, the foundations began to shake. You know, these seraphims will pass for God for people. People would just put their faith in these seraphims. And these are creatures of God. 
And this is these are these are the group I, Ezekiel said. He said, I saw creatures, they had four faces. Isaiah saying, I also saw creatures, they had six wings. John will also tell you that I saw living creatures. And and there was one that had the face of an eagle, another had the face of a man, another had the face of an ox, another had the face of a lion. And all of them, all they keep saying every day is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the earth is full of his glory. Then the foundations began to shake such majesty. Immediately, the prince of prophets, the best of prophets, the one who had prophesied as Jehovah's mouthpiece, started crying. He became relentless. Isaiah was screaming, Woe is me, cursed am I, I am lost, I am lost, I am unclean, I am undone. Listen, in the, in the true presence of the glory of God, the, the best of prophets who had prophesied with his lips now says in the presence of the seraphims that my lips are unclean. Are you hearing that? The lips that prophesied that said the Lord, he, in the presence of God. This is not as I saw that this was not the same king, the same king like Hezekiah. He saw, he saw this was a different king on the throne. He said, These are not like Uzziah, who was clothed in leprosy and died. This was a king who I could not look at, who was so majestic, and the appearance of his throne and before him was like a sea of glass and like a crystal. And he said, These were not like the people that stood in the presence of Hezekiah or Uzziah. He said, I saw seraphims that stood by him, and these seraphims, because of their proximity to the throne of the majesty they had morphological changes their bodies were different from the regular angels they had six wings and because they were so close to the almighty they had to cover their faces and cover their bodies their feet and they reserved two like any other angel to fly with and you hear men mortal men in this realm say i've seen the father face to face and the lord god himself appeared to me face to face and i, I don't even wait to talk to god i'll just talk and god will do it I say we need to go back to the drawing board. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now, you know, Jesus says some words that are so fearful. He said, I'm telling you that narrow is the road that goes to heaven. Narrow, little, and broad is the way. And unless Jesus was geometrically wrong and Jesus did not understand what narrow meant and what broad was, then we should be careful that pierced people who go to heaven may be few. It appears, given the state of our modern Christianity. Here was the most wonderful of prophets. Here was that most, the prince of prophets. Here he was, standing in the presence of God and screaming helplessly, my lips are unclean, I am lost, I am undone, until a seraphim flew. And remember, even the seraphims have covered their faces in the presence of this God. Ooh, ooh, this is the God we are talking about. And I'm saying, unless the God of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the prophets of old and the apostles of old, it's not the same God we serve because the things we say about this God does not look like that God. And the servants of this God do not look like the servants of that God. This is not a God that needs your $2,000 to give you a miracle. No, no. The plenitude of God, the infinitude of God, the wisdom of God. No. Glory to Jesus. And here, the, the best of prophets, the pride of prophets, stands crippling in the presence of the Almighty God and saying that woe is me, cast is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among unclean people. And I want you to remember this is the lips that prophesied that said the Lord and he said they are unclean when he saw the holiness of God. And so a, a fire was used to touch his mouth, you know. When you read Revelation chapter 4, you should note it down. 
Revelation chapter 4, John was also talking about this thing. He said, after this, I looked and the door was open in heaven and I heard a voice. And that voice was like the voice of trumpets. And I've told you that we lack the vocabulary to describe God. Because the things of the heavenly are not earthly. So anytime even the, those inspired men were given access into the presence of God, the words they chose were limited. He says it was like the voice, the sound of a trumpet. It was like the voice of many waters. And so here he says, I hear a voice like a trumpet. And he said, come up hither. And then I came up and I saw a throne. And one that sat on the throne looked like Jasper. And he had cunnilingus, and around the throne was like a rainbow and an emerald. And I saw twenty-four elders with their thrones and golden crowns. And before them I saw it was like a sea of glass. Hallelujah! And he said, "When I saw these things, I fell. I fell." He said, "I saw four creatures standing there, and they had the face of an eagle, a man, an ox, and a lion, and they were shouting to themselves, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.'" And the post was shaking. This is the same God we are serving. This is the same God we are serving. But let me show you a scripture in closing. My Jesus, I hope you have been blessed. Job chapter 26. Job chapter 26, verse number 5. I believe you are blessed. I believe this is good for you. I believe you are. You, you see, you cannot, you, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot come into, if you understand this, you cannot go into prayer holding a phone like this and, Yes, Lord, thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 Rababa. Oh, hello. Yeah, Pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, Pastor. How are you? Oh, yeah, I was just praying. Yeah, did you hear me? I was praying. Yeah, I was praying. And sometimes even when somebody's calling you, you want them to hear you are praying, right? So even when you answer the call, you, you still continue your prayer before you talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call you back. I'll call you back. No, 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 no. In fact, prayer will not be the last thing you do before you sleep. You will spend time. This, are you, are you seeing the creatures before God who have covered their faces? The closer you are to the throne. It's not all the angels who have covered their faces. No. But we saw the seraphims, those around his throne, they've covered their face. Even them, they've covered their face. Look at Job 26 verse 5. A wonderful scripture. And then I will close. He says the dead, and this is talking about those who died in Genesis 6, the giants and all the Raphaims. He said the dead, they tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. He says, Shoal is naked before God and Abaddon has no covering. He's talking about the place of the dead. He says, this is God. He said the dead, they tremble. They tremble, at, not human beings dead. The, 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 the giants from Genesis 6 that fell. He says that they are trembling under the waters in the presence of God. He says, hell, death and the grave, Shoal and Abaddon, they are naked before this God. He stretches out the north over the voice and hangs the earth on nothing. He holds the earth like this. Yes, I've seen somebody say, God have mercy. That is the true message we need now. Any pastor calling you, and pastors can do programs. There's one pastor in Ghana, he's doing program every month, and people cannot see. People cannot see. Sometimes I cry. I cry. I cry. He says, verse 8, he binds the waters with thick clouds. Verse 9, he covers the face of the full moon and spreads it over. He stands on the earth. Verse 11, the pillars of heaven tremble. The pillars of heaven, they tremble, and they are standard at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. 
His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And verse number 14, look. He said, Behold, these are but outskirts of his ways. Oh my goodness. Behold, these are just the edges of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him? But the thunder of his power we can never understand. Are you listening? Job is saying that even when the the dead, the giants under the earth in the sea are trembling, when hell, the grave, Abaddon, and and Sheol are naked before him, when the waters and the clouds quiver, and and the pillars of the heavens shake, when the powers of the sea are quietened, and and, and Egypt and the nations are shattered before him. He says, when the seraphims scream, holy, holy is the name, and we see all the shakings in the temple, he says, this is just the edges of his skirt the power of his care. This is just the outskirts. I've, oh, I've never prayed and said, show, show me, God, give me your power. You can't even contain God's power. Oh, I don't know God's power. There's a lot of deception. Oh, if your power is a man of God, he's a prophet, then so, come see when they are ministry say, power, see power, oh, power. Job is saying that even the shakings of, of angels and the post of heaven is just the outskirts of God's God's glory. And he says, and the whisper, he says it's just a small whisper of his power. And the tender of his power, we truly cannot hear. This is the majestic glory. And this is what Peter said. When we saw it, we said we want to be here. We want to build tabernacles here. We want to remain here. We want to remain here. We want to remain here. And 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 you know, first Peter, second Peter one, Peter said that. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. Second Peter 1.16 When we made known to you, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. And that's my prayer for you as I close. That you will be, you will be an eyewitness of his divine majesty. For he said, we received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying that this is my son, so I'm praying for you right now in closing and I'm praying that in this new year you go forward with this consciousness you see you you, you see you cannot so, some people pray they just pray oh, I, when I'm driving I pray I, I pray I also pray when I'm driving but you see you, I think it's just it's just an erroneous uh, understanding of who God is and the, the God that we are presented in modern Christianity is afraid of witchcraft. The God we are presented is a God that needs money to give an answer. The God we are presented is a God that is in some men and we may have to travel many distances to go and sleep in the house of a certain man or God to have a breakthrough. I mean, the, 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 the presentations and the modelings of God in modern Christianity is erroneous. He does not need anybody. Remember, Remember, even if we stop to worship, he, he doesn't need our worship. No. No, even the seraphims are there worshiping. He, no, he doesn't need our worship. It's a complete act of love for him to receive our prayer. You know, one day I was praying to the Lord, and the Lord has been teaching me. And I, 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 those are some of the things I teach you. You know, and, and, and I was in prayer. I'm like, Lord, everything you've spoken about me, let it come to pass. And then, but it was a teaching session. And so the Spirit of the Lord says to me, stop. So I stopped. And he says that, you are a human. You are a man. You are full of mistakes. You are full of sin. I'm God. There is no change in me. I do not change. I'm not... You see, like when we talk about He's the beginning and the end. 
He's the Alpha and the Omega. No, what, so who is in between? He's the Alpha through to the Omega. He's the beginning through to the end. That is who he is. And there is no, there is no fallibility. There's no change in God. You remember, as he was teaching me, he said, you are a man. You are fallible. You have mistakes. And you are praying to me that I should let the things I said that cannot change about you come to pass. Now, between you and I, who should ensure that the things I spoke come to pass? And I said, me, Lord. And at that time, you can imagine I'm down on my knees in, in tears. And I'm saying, so, Lord, what, how should I pray? Because this is how they taught us to pray. Everywhere, Lord, you spoke concerning me, let it come to pass. Oh, Lord, bring it to pass. Oh, Lord, bring it to pass. Oh, Lord, bring it to pass. Wrong prayer. Is every word, Lord, you've spoken concerning my life. No, the words, Lord, the Lord was teaching me this way. His words do not fall to the ground. Isaiah 55, remember? His words come from heaven like the rain in the state. The words of God are, are concerning your life are on a certain pathway. So I saw a pathway like a highway. And on each pathway, and, and on each pathway, there, there, there were packages like parcels. And the Lord said that if you would walk on my pathway, on this highway that I have set, you will encounter every word I have spoken concerning you. Now I saw that I was walking on this highway, and then I bump, I go into this, I get into this parcel. This is a word God spoke to me many years ago. So at this time, I'm asking him, so what about the words you spoke to me many years ago that I did not see because of my actions, because I, I walked out from that presence of God, the pathways of God. And he says that there is no... There there's no time in him eternity is in him the beginning and the end of time is within god so if i will come to this pathway of the lord and stay with him then i will bump into those passes along the way i will bump into those things i said glory to jesus and so i repented of i stopped praying anytime i'm praying you know it comes out automatic like that so everything is spoken about me bring it to pass bring it to pass i'm not like no lord bring me into the place where the things you have spoken about me will come to pass. Help me to walk in obedience. Help me to walk in sanctification. Help me to walk in the fear of the Lord. Help me to walk in humility. Help me to walk, oh God, in repentance. Bring me onto the pathway where your words spoken concerning my life. I will meet them. Every word God spoke to you is there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are asking for the effulgence of your glory. We pray in your all-powerful name, Lord. In the godness of God, we ask for that consciousness to be released. We ask for, for clarity of vision. We ask for any worshiping heart here not to confuse the signpost, which is his preacher, his pastor, his cell leader, his prophet, with the true majesty of God. And so, Lord, we come to you asking for clarity. We are confused people. We are people that say we know you, but we do not know you. We are people that use words loosely. We speak of your glory, oh God, and we don't even understand it. And Lord, I'm asking for a true experience. A true experience like the woman at the well as sicker she said are you greater who are you but then she had an experience with you and when her eyes was open lord she ran to the city and said come 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 see a man i've met lord on the road to emos i saw those two people sat with you and until their eyes were open they're like did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke with us and that's what i'm praying for everybody listening to me right now and myself that our hearts shall burn within us lord that we shall encounter the true presence we shall encounter the true glory and we shall see the godness of God in our worship and Lord we shall encounter the omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent competence of God in our lives in the name of Jesus thank you for truth oh God in our worship thank you for sincerity and clarity now I pray I pray for anybody sick here right now Lord I ask in Jesus name that you shall show them how competent you are and you shall show the omnipotence of your great glory Lord I ask in Jesus name that 
struggling people, people are struggling with bad habits that they want to stop. Lord, that in the midst of this glory, that they shall walk away from them and they shall step into the newness of life. I give you praise in Jesus' blessed name. We pray. Amen. 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 Amen.